Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive eater from just outside Boston. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022, and this is a 7 a.m. meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism, page 39, the first paragraph which begins with, that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people, and ending with, let's take another illustration. We're reading just one paragraph and sharing on that. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, November 1st, are the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 19,580-19580. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 19,581-19581. Today's readers of the text are Pete B., Nancy P., and Heidi P. is our backup. For the 12 Steps, we have Chris B., and for the 12 Traditions, Jen P. The newcomer greeted today will be Reva P., and the host for our second hour, is Janice P.M. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I'm going to ask Chris B., to uh, say the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Thank you so much for allowing me to do service. This is Chris B. from Florida, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible. 
except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Chris B. And now I'm going to ask Jen P. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Jen P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater by God's Grace in New Jersey. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much for your service, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jen P. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1, which will unmute you. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book and the chapter more about alcoholism on page 39, the first paragraph, which begins with, that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people, and ending with, let's take another illustration. We are sharing just on that one paragraph this morning, and I'm going to ask Pete B. to start the reading for us. Good morning, Pete. Thank you, Penny. Uh, thank you for your service. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I am recovered today by God's grace and mercy. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is the point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. So once again, my name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive reader. Um, I forgot if I even mentioned that. But in any case, um, you know, I, I love this paragraph, right, because it has italics in it, and uh, italics are important. And, um, you know, it, it just it drives home the fact that, you know, the, 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 what our message is supposed to carry, that, you know what we're what we're doing is putting down the food and pursuing a spiritual experience through working the twelve step recovery program. But I have to understand the twelve steps are not stood up to keep me from drinking or not stood up to keep me from eating. The twelve steps are stood up to help me have a spiritual experience, and that spiritual experience will keep me from drinking or keep me from eating. Right? We, we, we take a lot of time in going through paragraph by paragraph in the big book because it reveals lots of information. And we have, to, we have to pay attention to the pertinent information. And this stuff in italics is pertinent information. That regardless of how informed I am, regardless of how, you know, how much I know about you know, who wrote what, when they wrote it, how they wrote it, right? what page it's on, uh, any, any, any of that relevant information is all fine and dandy. It's all good information, but that's all self-knowledge. And self-knowledge is not going to be the key to my recovery. The key to my recovery is going to be the, re- the relationship that I have with the God of my understanding as a result of working this step, this step. You know, I, I, I've kind of, you know, my, my understanding of this book is that, you know, the, the, the basis of it is it has to do with me focusing on others, not focusing on myself, right? Not self-knowledge, right? Intimacy is not going to get me any closer to my God. Into others and how I be functioning with others is what's going to get me closer to the God of my understanding, right? By working these steps, by putting down the food, Entirely, 100%, the phenomenon of craving has gone away. It doesn't exist. The only way it can exist is if I ingest those substances. The way I stay away from those substances is because of the spiritual experience I've had in working the 12-step recovery program. Right? I'm super grateful that, you know, the God of my understanding has provided me with, 
an opportunity to carry the message as I understand the message and also an opportunity to fall short on any given day, to be misunderstood and, mis- and, and, and to, make, maybe make it, to maybe make a mistake, right? And this process is a fail-safe process, right? I, it, can, it cannot go wrong as long as I do it as outlined in, as outlined in the book. And I have to remember what I'm after is not a psychological recovery is not a new code of morals or better philosophy of life. What I'm after is a, a spiritual experience, and I've, and I've received it by working these steps and aligning my will with God's and remaining abstinent. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you for getting us started, PB. And now, before I take a list of names of people who would like to share, let me just remind everyone that although we value everyone's experience, we ask that folks limit you're sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So that means if you've shared on any... Katie. Excuse me? Okay, if you've shared on any of the meetings a vision for you on Monday or Tuesday of this week, please hold back and let other people share. And so... um, the other thing I would like to say is I'm going to do my best to hear everyone. If you would just say your name only and save your location for when you share so that I'll be able to hear other people who are coming in. So who would like to be put on the on the list? Edie M. Ken W.H. Linda D. Barbara E. All right, hold on. Somebody, somebody with the initial M. Edie M. Nancy P. Linda D. Okay. Would everybody just yeah. anyone, anyone already? <laughs> we can't see each other, so I understand why people, you know, jump in not knowing that someone else is talking. Um, let's start again. All I have is Nan, uh, Ken and Nancy P. So who 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 was first? Katie B. Judith S. P. Barbara E. D. Myra B. W. was first. Katie G. Is it Katie G? Yes. Reba P. Okay, I'm going to just take those, and then we'll get the rest of the people later. I'm sure. So I have. Um, Judith S.P., Ken, Nancy P., Barbara E., Katie G., and Reva P. So, Judith S.P., would you get us started, please? Irene was on the first list. Irene. Good, good morning, everyone. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Thank you, Penny, for your service and everyone for being here today. Um Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the food and in my life before coming into these rooms trying to be someone other than who I was, whether my hair was a certain way, whether I looked, whether my intelligence, and particularly my body image. I wanted to be just like other people, and it didn't work. All it did is hammer down my self-esteem to the point that the only satisfaction in life I got was in the food. So I'm not like non-alcoholic people. I'm not like people who live in Alaska. I'm not like people who 
live in whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm Judith, and I've got to accept that. What comes to me, and that's why I wanted to share, is the passion and desperation in this chapter. When I think about these forefathers and mothers who spent the time and energy to put down in words in this instruction book with the grace of God what has to happen because of their own deep, horrendous experiences and that they were able to come up for breath. They were able to come up and be in life. And particularly what resonated with me today is um, the smash. I had to uh, smash. It's got to be, you know, just totally dismantled. And that's what this program does. I, I do an undoing with God. I, I clear away the wreckage, and then I can rebuild. Um, it is emphasized and reemphasized to smash home upon our alcoholic readers that it has been re- revealed to us out of bitter experience. Bitter. When I put bitter anywhere in my being, I recoil. However, with the food, I got, you know, they say that, you know, you'll acquire a taste. And I acquired a taste to destroy my body and my mind with food and all the food behaviors and the shame and humiliation. I am so grateful for the passion and desperation of those that came before me and those that are with me today. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Judith S.P. And next, Ken. Well, thank you, Penny, and good morning. This is Ken W.H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from North Carolina. Um, I, too, uh, couldn't miss the word smashed uh, or smash, and um, I think Bill is is just terrific with words. And um, he's talking about alcoholics, and I know uh, that that's one of the terms that's used for somebody that's lit up smashed uh so here it's used in another way and that uh, I, I i was smashed with food uh, i didn't know what i was doing i was uh, i was out of control i'd wake up with hang food hangovers and stupors and all that kind of stuff so that had to be smashed and um what i'm aware of one of the things i'm really aware of is i spent a lot of years thinking i knew the answers to everything um, including my eating issues, and that I could handle this. I was smart enough, and I knew it. I knew how to do it. And uh, I have been humbled by my uh, apparent lack of knowledge. Um, <laughs> all that I think I have, I don't, really, and it didn't get me anywhere. And um, so I've come to uh, realize, and, and I use a little phrase that helps me, uh, you know, you know, when you know, you don't know. <laughs> and I need to remember that over and over and over again, that I really don't have the answers. As much as I may like to expound and think I know, and I have so much you need to hear from me, uh, I've come to know that uh, I really don't have all the answers. The only answer lays in uh 
my higher power, your higher power, um, that 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 beautiful entity that is outside of myself. Thanks for letting me share. Bye. And that was Ken WH, you know. <laughs> uh, and next we have Nancy P. Hi, good morning. Uh, Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, this paragraph is so great. I, me, I'm a whiskey and milk drinking, carpet slipper and bottle carrying, jaywalking, highball drinker. All four, all at once. And I knew what I was doing always. I always knew. All the memories that I had <clears throat> about how awful it was going to be, they would come back and they still couldn't stop me. And they couldn't make me not know what I was doing. I acted in spite of my knowledge, like, you know, like a parallel line of thinking. Terrible must. Terrible must. Um, and the one thing that my decades in, of membership in OA gave me was a head full of this program, often when I also had a belly full of food. And, um, you know, living like that was a just a terrible kind of torture. And that didn't matter any more than all the other topical solutions I tried, hoping I could treat a systemic problem, you know, an outside um, solution or, you know, just on the, on the surface that could treat what was inside my head. And these were all earthly solutions. And the book says I need a spiritual solution. So all those other solutions were like cream for dry skin. Rub it on the dry skin and it feels better. But I needed cream for my brain. And abstinence only didn't work. In fact, it aggravated the problem and made it worse. And I was like a pinball, banging against remorse, horror, and hopelessness. And I was always surprised when it happened, even though parallel to that thinking was the absolute knowledge that it was going to happen sooner or later. And today, my thinking never surprises me. I have a really strong filter to my thinking that takes out all the debris. And all the wonder of it is that over time, my thinking has actually changed and become less polluted. I'm so grateful today that I never think about how nice it would be to have my alcoholic foods ever. I never think about food in a wistful way. I never think, oh, wouldn't it be nice? I never think about food in a way that is about, you know, anything around hiding, lying, cheating, sneaking, anything like that. I recoil as from a hot flame from the food itself, but especially from the thinking. The very idea makes my skin crawl, and I don't ever, ever take it for granted. I work really hard on that every day. It's never one and done for me. And if I don't feel the benefits of my recovery, I start calling newcomers immediately and listening to what's in store for me if I ever let up. In fact, I do that pretty much every day anyways, is preemptively. So every single promise they make in this book, every single one without exception has come true for me, all of them. I'm happy, joyous, and free. I'm buoyant. I work at it, but it's such a, a happy chore that the days fly by with hardly a hiccup or a stumble. And there's only one way, one way, one way to get there. Say it with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy P. And next we have Barbara E., and she's going to be followed by Katie G. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. Well, it turns out until the pain of what I was feeling was greater than what I wanted in the moment, I was not ready to change. I hadn't yet reached my rock bottom. But when I came into OA, 20 years ago, I was hopeless, defeated, doomed, feeling I was going to die. 
and a petite woman threw her glasses on the table and responded, perfect, we can help you. Hold on to your seat because we've got good news for you. There is a solution. So I hung around for a few weeks listening, and I thought maybe these people know something after all. My sponsor that I acquired said I needed to be willing to put down the food and to accept the idea of God and a spiritual renovation. I said I never thought about God or if there was one. And what did it have to do with my eating problem? And she said that I just should act as if I do believe. And eventually, I will. She should suggested I create my own personal conception of a God. But how could I do that if she just told me I was insane and delusional? She said, you see that chair sitting next to you? Yes, I said. Make that chair your God. It can be anything you want, Barbara, just not you. So for today, November 22nd, I've been calling my entity good. And my sponsor told me to be willing to be dumb and therefore teachable, to stop stop thinking I was too smart because of all my former research, to to stop thinking I knew enough to do it on my own. I needed a guide to hold the lantern because when times get rough, and they will, without this program and other members to support me, she said I'd run back to the foods that will temporarily sedate me, but not for long because once that craving craving set in, you'll find your disease is even stronger and the hole you fall in even deeper. So action is the magic word. When I do differently, I act differently and think differently and feel differently. In other words, to think less of myself and more of others. To call someone to, um, because two members talking make a meeting. And when I feel irritable, alone, I do a 10-step and call another. And then I ask someone how they're doing. Uh, I I use the tools and the steps like my recovery depends on it because it does. Thank you much, everyone, for saving my life today. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And now we have Katie G, and she'll be followed by Reva P. Good morning, Penny. This is Katie G, recovered from compulsive eating, anorexia, and bulimia, and um The first thing I saw in this paragraph was that my body and brain has been damaged. And I think I've known that for a really long time, but I've not really come to consciousness with it. Um, You know, my earliest memories were not of eating. They were of being a little girl and feeling empty on the inside and wanting to go somewhere else with some other people doing some other thing at some other time. And as the years progressed, like, I knew that I was different. Like, I knew that there was something crazy about the way I I dealt with food. Um, And so I had that knowledge, but um, I couldn't get through the delusional thinking. You know, the last three years, um, I have thought I've had multiple medical crises, like really serious life-threatening ones. And each time, I've gotten through it. 
And each time I've had multiple doctors talk to me about exercise, about my body weight, um, giving me that feedback. And I, I just couldn't, I had the knowledge and I, it's like I couldn't hear it. We even had a friend um, that I saw and she texted me afterwards and she said, what is wrong with you? You know, so I had all this knowledge and I had the bitter experience. Like I had the, you know, going to my physical therapist and saying, why can't I exercise? What's happening? Fix me. I need to be able to exercise, right? But nothing changed me. Nothing changed me until I got to the point where there was absolutely nothing but a dark hole and abyss, right? And I just gave up. You know, if you're fighting right now, please just give up. You know, all of the knowledge that I've had from being in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for 18 years, I got nothing. This has been a process of unlearning. What is it like to publicly say in front of y'all, hey, I'm recovered. Hey, no, I'm not. I've been exercising bulimically. I lost 10 pounds. I know that this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's what I did. Right, And the ego needed punctured, and I needed to unlearn everything I knew. And thanks be to God, there is a search and rescue mission that is going on in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous that picked me up and has placed me on two feet, where all I know, as our friend said, is I don't know. And the more I don't know, and the more I go to a sponsor with, which, who, who puts my hand in God's, the, the the happier I am. I get to be with my kids today. I know I say this all the time, but I get to be present. I get to be in the moment with all of you, and I don't have to fight, right? Like, if you're new or you're in relapse, guess what? These miracles are for you, too. Come join us. And with that, I pass, Penny. Thanks. Thank you, Katie G. And uh, next we have Reva P., and then I had two more names that I heard just as I closed off the the uh, list last time. So after Reva P, we're going to hear from Irene M. Go ahead, Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. And this line that uh, self-knowledge avails me nothing and that I'm unable to stop on the basis of self-knowledge. I love how they say. Reva P, we're not hearing you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, hi. This is Reva P, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, I wanted to share on this business of um, self-knowledge avails me nothing. Um, and how it tells me it's emphasizing and re-emphasizing and smashing this point, which means I need to pay attention. Um, it reminds me at my first meeting, um, I remember when they went through the 12 steps, I was smart. Um, I was an intellectual academic and I thought, why is it taking people so many years to learn 12 steps? I understand them right now. I thought this was more like a head kind of academic program. I figured I would give it six months and then I would graduate and get on with my life. Um, <laughs> um, but this is telling me that this has nothing to do with what I know. So when I come into program and I know about 
the steps and I know the big book, it really doesn't do anything for me. Um, because information I heard is not the same as the transformation that happens as a result of this spiritual experience. Um, it's not about head knowledge. So it's not for people who know it, it's for people who do it and undergo this spiritual experience. Um, and, you know, smashing means when I smash something, it's in so many pieces that I can't put it back together again. So I'm not going to ever go back um, to how it was. Um, and I love how it was shared. This is all about accessing power, having that spiritual experience. Um, that's really the crux of the problem. Um, and knowing that I shouldn't be resentful, knowing that I, you know, it's not healthy to pick up my binge foods, knowing that fear isn't going to serve me, avails me nothing. Um, it's only by accessing this power um, that transforms me, heals me, helps me get through challenges, really difficult things in life. Um, and not just getting through, but seeing a blessings and miracles um, and beauty and all of it. Like it really is quite amazing. Um, and I never thought I'd be here so many years sharing like this, but it really is not about the head at all. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Irini, before you share, let me just remind everybody that today we're reading from page 39 in More About Alcoholism, and we're reading just that first paragraph that starts with, that may be true of certain non-alcoholic people. And Irini, your turn. Thank you, Patty, so much for your service, and I appreciate you. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. So I needed to understand that I am powerless, period. I'm powerless to control people, places, and things, and especially when it comes to food, and the food when it had a hold on me. So I was powerless to control myself, powerless in taking that first bite, powerless in stopping once I started. And this is all about the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. And this is what makes me uniquely different from other people. And I've learned and continue to learn to smash and let go of a lot of things and embrace the new and accept my uniqueness. You know, why do I do things that I don't want to do and don't do the things that I really want and need to do? I have self-knowledge to know better and do better, but not when it comes to food. That knowledge can't stop me from that first bite. And, you know, even though it works in other areas of my life, but it didn't work with food. So it's that certain knowledge, I'm sorry, it's that, that certain thought that creeps up right before I would indulge in the food. The knowledge that I had was replaced with, you know, wanting the food and what that food will do for me, which gave me that sense of ease and comfort. And that is what I was powerless over. 
And this program is about taking action. You know, self-knowledge is not action. It's just information. And what I need is that transformation. And, um, and it's all about getting connected, being connected, and staying connected with God. So I do need self-knowledge, but I also need four other things. I also need the 12 steps. I also need the spiritual principles. I also need all of you. And mostly, I also need the conscious contact of, with God. So it's taking that knowledge from my head and bringing it into my heart. And only with God, pushing it down to my feet and living a spiritual life, being happy, joyous, and free from the prisoner of my thoughts, from that obsession of the mind that was lifted. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene M. And I think I heard an Amy. Amy, are you there? One more time. Amy? Okay. So let's see. Take- is that Amy? I'm going to take a, li- a list of names again. Who else would like to share? Linda D. Linda? Jennifer C. Linda Renee L. Renee. Who was after Renee? Lulu L. L. Somebody L. Lulu L. Lulu. Good morning, Lulu. From Good morning. Florida. Okay. Let me just let's just um review Brilliant. those. I have Linda D, Jennifer, Renee, and they'll, I'm going to ask them to tell me their last initial when they share. And Lulu L. Probably one more. Phil M. Lou M. Uh, Phil. Uh, short for Philomena. Oh, oh, Phil. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I have Linda, Jennifer, Renee, Lulu, and Phil. So, Linda, would you share, please? Hi, everybody. It's Linda D., and I'm from Connecticut, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you, Penny, and with everybody, because I can't do this alone, and Thank God I know it. Um, I have to keep things simpler because I want to go off in every direction and talk to each person that's talking and discuss everything with everybody, and I need to shut up. Um, I think the thing of it that stands out for me is um, I think self-knowledge is terrific and information is terrific, and they're all pretty much irrelevant. I mean, they're useful. But I've uh, been trained to be thinking, 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 instead of surrendering, surrendering, surrendering. Because at the end of the pro- at the end of each meeting, when we say God will uh, reveal more to you, to you and to us, uh, well, what is God revealing? And this is what I have learned so far, which I could lose, like, on a dime. If I forget it and I make it a point not to, um, 
God is revealing more of itself or himself or herself, however you designate it. And what is that about? Well, it's about love. That's what the program is about. And it's, I certainly need the love and fellowship that I get in this program. It's, it's incredible because I was so lonely and screwed up and self-destructive, but it's contacting the part of me underneath all the garbage uh, that the steps deal with uh, so beautifully and discovering that inner glow and staying connected to it. I'm, so very grateful that in the middle of the night when I'm not going to call anybody, it's two o'clock in the morning where I am, um, I can talk to God. It's, it's a privilege. Or I can skate off into blah, 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 my opinion and how pissed off I am and blah, blah, blah. No, no. As somebody says, Stay out, God. That's that's the phrase they use. I would much rather talk to the to God. It's an immensity. It's stunning. It's amazing. Or he or she. It's amazing. And the flood tide of good that is in my life is incredible. I am so very grateful for all of you. And with that, and of course, I am intensely grateful for the presence of God in my life. God is such a fabulous entity. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And next, Jennifer. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, This is Jennifer C. from Greenville, South Carolina. I just want to thank everybody, every single one of you for being on the line this morning. Um, I am just so grateful that I am not in this distinct entity alone. Um, I want to recommend a podcast, Distinct Entity, um, by Melissa C., um, that I saturated my mind with this morning. And it just, we need, we need this reminder constantly that we are on this um, side of the paper, right? The side of the paper where we are different. We are different than the rest of the world, but we're on this side of the paper together. Um, We're not alone in this. We are different. We're never, ever going to be on the other side of the paper. Um, This allergy that we have, this phenomenon of craving that becomes paramount, that we are willing to sacrifice everything for, everything, our health, our finances, our relationships, our jobs, everything that phenomenon of craving that becomes paramount I will never graduate from that right and I used to try to find all the little ways that I could compromise still call myself abstinent and today I know that any bite off of my food plan any bite off of my food plan I don't have to make a full list of all my binge foods and all my binge food ingredients. I have a food plan. I have to follow it 100%. When I start to deviate from that plan, I am playing with fire. I am playing with fire. Because where is that compulsive bite? I don't know. But guess what? Once I take it, it takes over. 
So that food plan allows me to see very clearly when I've crossed the line. And it can take years for us to cooperate with that. It can take years for us to say, okay, this is it. This is the prescription. But here's the thing for me today. I also have a mind that wants to tell me that I don't have to do all the work, all the work, because I want to be an exception. The big book tells me that one of the traits of being an alcoholic is that they they don't want to follow all the rules. And so for me today, I have to concede to my innermost self that I'm not just an alcoholic, but that I need to do every part of this program in order to stay well. And I have to do it every single day. But the good news is this, when I'm in the food, when I'm in my disease, it's torture and it's more work than my best day in program. Like it is more work to be in the food than it is to work this program. And we all know that we all know that, but our disease convinces us that it's easier to be in the food. It's not, we know that we know that. So thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you, Melissa C for that beautiful podcast. And I recommend it to anyone struggling to concede to uh, having this disease. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Jennifer C. And Renee, you'll be followed by Lulu. Good morning, Penny. This is Renee A. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just glad to be with my fellows this morning. Um, You know, I really love this paragraph. And as I read it, I thought to myself, yeah, it's just an accurate diagnosis of me. Because in my disease, I have a rebellious heart. I have a heart that rebels against having a power bigger than me. I want to be the power. I want to be in control. And it's really just a big affront to my ego to admit my powerlessness. Um, Part of my search for self-knowledge is, and I believe this is probably on a subconscious level. I don't think this is something that I'm always aware of. But my disease runs on that subconscious level a lot. And I think that I believe somewhere in the pit of me that if I get enough self-knowledge, I can run my own life. Um, And, you know, this is just, this is my condition when I'm in my disease. Um, What I don't want to admit is that I'm profoundly powerless, that I do not have any power uh, or choice over my disease, and that, you know, self-knowledge, yes, it's good, but it won't, uh, it won't get me abstinent and it won't get me recovered. Um, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's, a, it's something that I feel like I need to cultivate. But what's my motivation for cultivating it? Um, you know, is it to enhance my program so that I can cooperate with my higher power better? Or is it so that I can be queen of my own world? Um, the longer I go in this program, paradoxically, the more aware I am of my powerlessness. And to me, that is a positive sign because what that means is um, I am becoming more and more lined up with reality. And the reality is I'm beyond human aid. I am beyond human aid. Self-knowledge, all the tools of the program, a wonderful food plan, none of those things are going to save me from from the the death that awaits me at the end of this um, process. 
it's progressive, it's deadly, it's powerful, and I am powerless to deliver myself from this beyond human aid. And so, um, you know, again, it may sound defeatist, but to me it's actually a sign that, um, you know, I'm lining up more and more and more with reality uh, and with who God would have me be today. So I'm, I'm just, I can't even tell you how grateful I am for this program. It has literally saved my life and given me a life. And so um, I, I just want to close by saying how grateful I am. Um, and I'm going to pass with that, Penny. Thank you, Renee A. And Lulu L., and she'll be followed by Phil. Good morning, family. This is Lulu L., a grateful, grateful recovering and recovered compulsive overeater. I'm in Central Florida. I have to tell you, I have absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge, stop eating on the basis of anything, underlined, highlighted, little stars, little hearts all around that line, and then I closed the book and went along my merry way. And my merry way led me further and further into self-destruction and confusion and depression and hopelessness. It wasn't until I was willing to say, I know nothing. And I continue to say that today. I, of myself, know nothing. And knowing nothing has proved to be the, the greatest discovery in my entire life. I know nothing of myself. I have to fully throw myself into the arms of my higher power. Give the keys, the steering wheel, everything over to my higher power. I cannot make one good decision based on self-knowledge. And I viewed myself as a pretty intelligent and educated person. That didn't help me here. didn't help me at all. And it's taken me many, many, many decades <laughs> to get that, to get that. But I'm grateful today. I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful for everyone who serves. I am un. there's just no words to speak about how grateful I am because I am now fully and completely a little child of God, not just in words only, but literally. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Lulu L. And Philomena M. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Yes, this is uh, Phil M. from Northern Ireland, and uh, delighted to be here. Uh, Absolutely unable to stop on the basis of self-knowledge. Well, do you know if that was possible? I guess I would have been able to stop because I had so many books as a lot of us have had, so many books on, you know, working this out, working that out. And they were good, you know, and they definitely helped with some areas of my life. The counsellors helped as well with other areas. But I really needed this spiritual awakening. When I came to the programme at first, I, I, I didn't hear it properly. What I heard was, you know, if I can stop eating, then uh, that is recovery. And, uh, you know, going through it again, um, 
definitely heard I needed a spiritual awakening and that is what keeps me well. Not for me the food plan, not the food plan that keeps me well. In fact, my own experience is that a food plan is more like a work of fiction because what would happen, I would say I'd have this and then I would be going out, couldn't cook, or I would be um, discover something in the fridge that needed to be used up by that day and I would have that instead. Someone suggested it wasn't me, but I thought it was a great idea that a food diary, uh, maybe with or without a food plan, uh, is something that's a bit more realistic and a bit more honest. What did I actually have today? And send that. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there if it's helpful to people, because uh, when I veered off a food plan, I felt so dishonest and it messed up with me. And I definitely admire those who have a food plan and are able to stick to it. That's, that's fantastic. But the main thing that we all have and what we're all needing and what we're all getting for recovery is that connection with a loving higher power. And the higher power I learned about, or the God I learned about in my childhood was a very strict, very uh, difficult God to relate to. And I'm on a journey discovering the divine feminine and the warmth and the beauty and the acceptance and the love and the patience um, is just a gorgeous thing. And I feel it more in my body now. I've been so disconnected with my body but um, just to breathe in and feel in myself that I'm loved and that I'm okay right here, right now. Um, it's a joyous, wonderful thing. And thank you all very much for being part of this journey with me. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Phil M. from Northern Ireland. We have time for someone if you for a two-minute share. Does anyone want to... Is Mary? Who is this? Mary. Larry. <laughs> Larry K. Hey, honey. Hey, Larry. I can make it short. <laughs> How are you? Larry K., uh, Recovered Compulsive Breeder. I just love the shares. Uh, you know, um, Shakespeare said something. I don't know Shakespeare too well, but I know he said, to thine own self be true, right? A lot of self-deception. So I, I did need knowledge. I needed some introspection about myself not only about my disease, but about myself. Absolutely, I needed that. What the big book tells me really is that that, that in and of itself, while good, is not going to be enough. I'm going to have to access power, as we've heard in the shares. But, um, but I, I'm not going to knock uh, self-knowledge. Oh, no. I'm not going to knock. I, I, need, I need that knowledge. I need to get out. I need to get underneath and really understand without deception who I am, what I'm all about, and the defects of character and all those things, absolutely. So let's not compartmentalize that. It's all meshed together. And when we do that and when we implement these steps, we get some sort of change, some sort of transformation sufficient to drive out the obsession. That's pretty good money right there. That's good stuff. We get to be brought into alignment with the higher power of our own understanding, because we're going to have to, we sure as heck are going to have to access that power. So um, I'm grateful. That's enough out of me, Penny. Thank you so much. I passed. Thank you, Larry. And uh, thank you, everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing of this hour. The share ID for today, November 2nd, 2022, is 19,585, 19585. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book 
on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So I'm going to ask um, Nancy, Nancy P., yeah, Nancy P. to read that selection from page 164. Thank you, Penny. Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 